Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, and you are listening to the Mom Hour Voices, episode 20. So I'm here without Megan today. This is one of our interview episodes we do once a month. Really excited about our guest today. You are going to hear my chat with Alex Spitz. Alex is the founder and parent educator at the New Mom School in Newport Beach, which may sound familiar to you guys because we did our live event there back in August, and I've been wanting to have Alex on the show ever since. Alex is a certified parent educator. She's also a certified infant care specialist and a certified happiest baby educator, if you guys know that line of books, The Happiest Baby on the Block. So helpful to new moms. And today we talk about infant attachment, attachment theory in general, which is different from attachment parenting that you might kind of have opinions about or have heard of. And it's a really encouraging conversations for brand new moms. But we also talk about how attachment plays out as kids get older and what that sort of parent-child connection looks like and how it influences everything from behavior to discipline to how you play with your kids. So I'm really excited for you to hear this interview. Alex is a mom of two herself and has become a good friend of mine. She was a great contact to make here in Orange County. If you are local, definitely tell your friends about the new mom school. But Alex also has some things in the works to take a lot of her content um, to a more national audience by creating some video content and stuff. So that's exciting. You're going to want to follow her along. So um, first up, though, we have a sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best heated clothing. Yes, you heard me correctly. Heated clothing powered by rechargeable batteries. So this is a perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. It's also a great gift idea with the holidays coming up. So um, they, their clothing provides that toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body. They have heated jackets, gloves, socks, hats, and even undergarments like long, long johns. So you can really stay cozy head to toe, which how fun does that sound? Um, and their clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heated panels, kind of like what you, uh, what your heated car seats do. So same kind of technology. Um, and it's powered by a rechargeable low voltage lithium ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours. You can also charge your device by plugging into that same battery while you're wearing the clothes, which is genius. So we think this is a great gift for any family or friend on your holiday gifts list. Uh, their products start at just $39.99. They have men's and women's styles. So I have two brothers-in-law who live in very cold climates and spend time outside. Um, so one of them is getting a vest um, and one is getting heated socks, which just are such a fun unexpected gift idea. So we have a special deal for our listeners. If you want to save 15% off your entire order, you go to action-heat.com slash mom. So again, their website is action-heat.com slash mom. I will link this up in the show notes and use the coupon code mom as well to save 15% on your entire purchase. So thanks to Action Heat. Okay, guys, let's get into my interview with Alex Spitz. I know you're really going to enjoy it. Hey, Alex, welcome to the Mom Hour. Thanks for having me. So Alex is sitting here with me, which we don't get to do very often in person. So in my very rigged up home studio. So thank you for being here. I love it. Um, so when I introduced you earlier, I told everybody about you and who you are. And then our listeners who listened to our live show a couple months ago, a few months ago now, um, heard your story as owner of the New Mom School, where we did our event. So you and I have been planning this and wanting to get you on the show for a while now. Um, and so I introduced you as owner of the New Mom School, which means you spent a lot of your working time with brand new moms yes, and brand new babies. Tell everybody how old your kids are, just for a little context. So I have two boys, and my older one will be seven in a couple months, and my younger one will be four in a couple of months. Okay. Okay. So you're a little removed from brand new moms yourself but get to see Not them all the time. Basis. I know yes. you get to see them all the time. The newborn the best. best. So we're, we're going to focus most of this episode on attachment, new baby, new mom attachment. And this is something that you have really become passionate about and learned a lot about as you teach in your classes. I but have. let's, let's kind of back up a little bit because I think some moms 
bristle a little bit at that word attachment because of the reputation of attachment parenting, Mm -hmm. which you may be totally into listeners. You may think you're totally not into it. I kind of want to separate that from what we're talking about today, which is a little bit more of like a clinical behavioral definition of attachment. So will Mm -hmm. you just start us off there with that? Yeah, sure. So in regards to today's topic, we're talking more about attachment theory, which varies from attachment parenting. And attachment parenting is sort of based around attachment theory and the idea that we want to have a strong, secure attachment with our kids because it affects so many things. Um, But attachment theory is all of the research that's Mm -hmm. been done surrounding what happens with with a newborn and their primary caretaker after birth. Okay. And attachment by definition is the emotional connection between an infant and a caretaker. So it doesn't always have to be mom mm-hmm. right away. It really is defined by the baby's primary caretaker. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that does help. And I think our listeners who listen regularly to this show know that Megan and I are as far from a prescriptive way of thinking as you can be. And from what I know from you, you are the same. So I think that is an important clarification because I find all this fascinating. Like you said, there's research and science behind it. It is not a step-by-step parenting plan. And especially if we have brand new mom listeners, it's not something you have to change or start doing or like memorize. It is what is happening already is what I believe. So the beauty is that it happens so naturally. And even when you think you're doing everything wrong as a mom, there's actually so much that you're doing that is already underlying this, the building of that positive attachment relationship with your child. I love that. I, I wish every new mom knew that. And the ones that get to come here, you are so lucky. Yes, we have a whole class about this in our classes. I love it. Yeah. So let's talk about why. So we kind of defined a little bit of attachment, but maybe go into that a little bit more and talk about why it's important for babies. So a lot of moms are surprised to hear the list of things that having a secure attachment with your child actually affects and how it impacts your baby and your child and your teenager and your adult Mm -hmm. child later in life. But um, one of the biggest things that it affects is their self-esteem, because when we have that positive connection and that positive relationship with our kids, they get to feel like they're important Mm -hmm. and significant. And um, as you can imagine, it will impact their quality of relationships in the future Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we're the role model of how a child is supposed to be treated and how they're supposed to feel in a relationship. So as they get older, if they're not getting that same feeling from a a friend or Mm -hmm. a romantic partner or um, a boss or a coworker, whatever relationship they're having, they're going to know that something isn't feeling right here. Yeah. This isn't how a mutually respectful relationship is supposed to feel like. So everything you just said sounds so sophisticated, like the way we think of grown up relationships. How does that like what are a couple examples of how that plays out with a brand new baby? I mean, a brand new baby has to learn that they are valued. They Mm -hmm. have to learn to trust you, but Mm -hmm. they are seriously like a blob. So what does that look like when we're talking about a couple of weeks old or something? So you know how you're a new mom and you feel like you're living Groundhog Day (laughs) and you've changed more diapers than you ever thought possible. You've been, you're cleaned up, spit up. You've been you know, you've had blowout diapers, which I call punamis, by the <laughs> <Yes>. way. <laughs> um, you've changed clothes a million times. You've been breastfeeding or bottle feeding all day long. You haven't taken a shower. You just feel like you don't know what day it is. You yeah. don't know what time it is, but you're just doing the same things over and over and over and over again. So that's when you're building that secure attachment because babies learn how to trust the world by having their basic needs met. That's amazing. I almost like got a little bit choked up there just yeah. because it is it is so true. It's not necessarily about locking eyes and telling them that they're the most important thing in your world. Although we'll get to that and there are some ways to connect, but simply by fulfilling basic needs is creating that environment of trust. That is, yeah, yeah that is really powerful and really so important for, for new moms to know. Okay, I kind of feel like I cut you off a little bit oh. about... Um, Ways, getting back to ways this is important and ways it'll play out as baby grows. Yeah. So having that secure attachment also impacts your child's personality. Hmm. 
their intelligence and their academic performance. Believe it or not. No pressure, know, moms. No pressure, no <laughs> pressure. So basically you're in charge of, you're, you're responsible for everything that your child is going to become. Great. If that isn't news to you, I'm sorry to break it. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I, I can see how important this foundation is. So. Yeah, but the, the best part about it, and I think that that's why it's so important to, to give this information to every new mom that comes through our doors, is that you don't actually have to be doing anything but simply responding to your baby's needs. So when they're crying, you know, there's only a few things that newborns cry about. Mm-hmm. I always say there's five things. They're hungry, they're tired, they're in discomfort, they need their diaper changed, or they need to be held. Mm -hmm. And usually when you take care of those first four things Mm -hmm. and it's just needing to be held, Mm -hmm. that's when you're building that attachment with them. All five of those things, you're building the attachment. So you don't even really have to think about anything. You're just doing it. Right. Yeah. That is, that is something that I think they leave out in the childbirth preparation classes is how much of what you'll be doing seems kind of meaningless. I I mean, that's, that's like, doesn't sound very nice, but that, um, it's not very fun. It's right. not super rewarding. Right. I told you before we started recording that I just spent some time with my sister and her three week old. Yes. And of course we had a great time and we snuggled and loved that baby, but it isn't particularly, they don't give back a whole lot mm-hmm. in the early days. So the reassurance that just performing those kind of mundane tasks right. is actually doing something fundamentally important for baby's brain is kind of yes makes it all Put that on perspective. Right. And that's why new moms are wired to have their blood pressure rise when their baby's crying Mm -hmm. because we're we're already connected in a certain way. And even though we don't feel that bond necessarily when our babies come out, some moms feel really disconnected from Mm -hmm. their babies at first. The beautiful thing about having a secure attachment is that it can be built over time. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and it's um, it's completely, it, it's a relationship that can be repaired over yeah. and over in life. Yeah, I think that's really important to mention because, again, if listeners out there have done some reading on attachment theory or attachment parenting, it's easy to, we all do this, all of us do this, to take the recommendations and assume that you have to do it 100%, at 100% all the time, forever, or else something terrible will happen. So, you know, having a baby who is in their car seat, for example, like one of my newborns screamed for every car ride, everywhere we went for six months straight. Um, And I could not respond to her needs or her crying. And I did actually limit my car trips for my own mental health more than hers. But she was safe and she was okay. And that, so I think, I think it's so important to put this in the perspective of we're talking about a relationship built over time, not something that you can fail if you don't aren't able to tick one of those boxes at the mm-hmm. end of the day. So that's super, super important. And if you need any further reassurance, <laughs> I'm sure you were talking to her during that time. <laughs> and that actually we know that when babies are left to cry alone, their brains do something different than when they're crying with someone talking to them. Interesting. Yes. Well, and I also had two older kids at the time. And I do remember, I remember being so stressful for me, but I remember it was like a little family bonding. The kids would try to sing. We would distract. We'd distract each other. And yeah. there was literally nothing we can do. So, yeah. And Katie, who you know, has yes. a car screamer too. We talked about that recently yes. on our show. So. Yeah. But that's just an example of a time where you, you're not able to physically respond to their needs in the way that you'd probably like to. You're not ruining your future attachment with that right. child. So right. I think that's, that's important to state. The car seat thing is a really interesting thing. And I have my suspicions on why babies are so miserable in the car seat. But, um, that's a that's a real thing that affects yeah. a lot of new moms yeah. and a lot of new babies. And the good news is they do all grow out yeah. of it. And, you know, it's just kind of trial and error. Yeah. And sometimes it's just time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not breaking the bond or the yeah. attachment. I think babies are in a weird seated position when mm-hmm. they're sitting. And I yeah. think it hurts their bodies. And I think that they also um, might be car sick interesting by moving backwards interesting in the car yeah oh i i I would believe it i mean i 
I've had kids who didn't cry at all and others who screamed. Yeah. So mine would scream and then vomit. Yeah. And that was fun yeah. cleaning that car no. seat so many times. Yeah. Rough. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about some specific ways that new moms, some specific things that they can do besides uh, meeting the basic needs. And I love that we touched on that. But other things that a brand new mom who's home with a newborn on maternity leave or, you know, home, um, just ideas to fill that time to increase that bond. So I like to call it stations that okay. you use throughout the day. So most of us have our activity mats, our bouncer chairs, uh-huh. our rock and plays, our swings. Um, when the baby gets a little bit older, we have the little chairs that mm-hmm. you can sit them in, the bumbos or the Fisher Price sit me ups, a really good one these days. It's all changing, it's right? All like changing. everything at my sister's yeah. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. It's yes. only been like less than 10 years, but all but changes. Certain things survive yeah. the ages, I that have is to true. say. Um And so I like to call them stations because we do, we rotate Mm -hmm. throughout the day. And one of the best ways that you build that strong attachment with your baby is to talk, play, and interact with them. So even though they're not giving you anything back, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned, they're still completely with it Mm -hmm. and they are so much more um, kind of onto you Mm -hmm. than you think Mm -hmm. they are Mm -hmm. and they know what's going on. They don't have any way of expressing it mm-hmm. except by crying. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that a baby's cry is like their superpower. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's their way of being able to say to you, hey, I have a need. I know yeah. I have a need and yeah. I need you to meet it. Yeah. And so they're helping you along. Mm-hmm. Like they're actually helping you respond to them so that they can learn to trust mm-hmm. the world. So providing that high level of responsiveness mm-hmm. is going to be your best friend. Mm -hmm. And I always tell moms, if you're taking a shower, you know, and you hear your, and you hear your baby start crying, don't not finish the shower. I mean, don't take a leisurely shower for the rest of the time, but finish scrubbing your body, finish brushing your teeth or whatever it is that you do in your routine that the the baby will be okay if they're in a safe place, especially because that shower is going to make you be a better mom mm-hmm. once you get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so make sure that you're, you're responding to mm-hmm. their needs when, mm-hmm. when they're calling mm-hmm. for you. The other thing that's really important is how you respond mm-hmm. and what state of mind you're in. As a new mom, there's no end to how much worry we can mm-hmm. have and how much anxiety we can have. And I'd say that postpartum anxiety is probably more prominent than postpartum depression, mm-hmm. even I, though I'm we, starting to see it talked about a little bit more. A I think, lot which more. Is good. I love it. it. There's there's not so much of stigma anymore. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of that in my classes, mm-hmm. too. And we provide a free support group mm-hmm. for moms. Um, but the the anxiety can be crippling. Mm-hmm. And so many moms don't realize that um if we're able to do things that calm us mm-hmm. before we respond mm-hmm. to our babies, our babies respond much better. Mm-hmm. So when we surrender mm-hmm. to the fact that we no longer have control mm-hmm. in that newborn period, it doesn't feel so overwhelming and anxiety provoking mm-hmm. to respond to the baby mm-hmm. for the 20th time mm-hmm. or get up at 2, 3, 4, mm-hmm. 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. to feed again when we know that we're doing it for the greater good of mm-hmm. their end goal. Mm -hmm. The end goal is that you want this well-rounded 25-year-old. You know, it's hard to think that far ahead, Mm -hmm. but just getting to them and and doing what they need on a daily Mm -hmm. basis and just connecting with them, that's going to create that person that you want in the end. Yeah. I had in my breastfeeding support group at the hospital when I had my first, which was nothing as... um, amazing as the classes that you do but it was like a lot of hospital like free programs it's needed yeah Yeah. and it was actually it was great because it it was led by a lactation consultant but actually if you needed more help with breastfeeding you went to an actual lc Mm -hmm. so the the group was more general general stuff um but she i just remember the leader of that group saying just get to know your baby like get to know your baby and i think um with all of the expert information that's out there, it's real easy for new moms to look outward. Yeah. Um, and of course, those resources are good. You are an example of one of those good resources. But yes. um, 
sometimes I think it's at the expense of learning, getting to know your baby. And they don't, they can't tell you with their words, but you, you don't have to have any newborn experience to know, oh, I'm just noticing that like after this kind of a feed, they're a little bit fussy. Like that is getting to know your baby, Correct. Um, which in my mind is as important as getting to know like the best feeding positions or yes. whatever. I mean, they, they can go hand in hand, yes. but for sure not one at the expense of the other. So I think that's another way too that just trust that you getting to know your baby is as valuable information as anything else that's out there. That woman um, gave you very good advice. Yeah, she was. It and, and, is really yeah. so important. Um, you know, the saying comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. It is so true when having a baby and it doesn't stop, you know, even no. my son is seven years no. old and I'm still looking at his friends going, oh, that friend does that better than my kid. Yeah, I better totally. step up my game a little bit, you know? Get the training wheels off, Alex. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> my kids were early bike riders, Oh, mine are late, say. Mine are late bike riders. <laughs> well, don't compare to mine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, it's such good advice to get to know your own baby and just focus on what they need. And building off of that, I always tell my moms, if you're reading something or looking at something on Mm -hmm. social media or a part of a social media group, and the second you start reading something, you feel your anxiety Mm -hmm. kick in, Mm -hmm. close it, Yeah, leave the group. Leave those groups where they're mom shaming. Leave those groups where they're bragging about their kids. That's not what our that's not what our experience is supposed to be. Yeah. It's hurting us. I agree. I agree. And I I think there's we have we have confused needing information and the ability to get information with all this other stuff that's built into it. The opinions, the, you know, group think and all of that. It's toxic. Another thing I wanted to mention about what what moms can just do throughout the day um, to kind of build this relationship is I think personally, it's okay for moms to listen to the music that they like to read, you know, while the baby's sleeping, like read the books that you like, you know, we we're talking about this kind of child centered thing, but actually like, you know, we're in a way better mood if you're blasting whatever kind of music feels good to you. And so you're, I always, I always loved the advice that kind of. Uh, found that balance and was like, have baby be part of your life. Like yes. if you like to go for a walk at eight o'clock at night, like baby can go with you. Like, totally. t- you know, and kind of back to that, like almost like generations ago, like babies just went with us wherever yes. we. So I, I do think that a, an, another flip side of this is we get so baby focused that we forget that like, no, you're still allowed to We're like do what you want to do and yes. bring them with you and talk to them about what you're doing. And especially yes. as they get a little bit older, right. they're very interested in that. That so. just reminded me that when we were young, we grew up in in the L.A. area in California. And my mom's favorite radio station was K-Earth 101, uh-huh. which was oldies. Yeah. And now it's weird. They're playing like 90s music. <laughs> of course. But when I was a kid, I'm I'm 36. When I was a kid, they were playing, you know, real oldies music. And I love that music now because that's all we listened to in the car. We weren't listening to kid music. And we don't listen to kid music in my car either. We listen to 70s folk songs and pop songs. And I have a playlist for the boys on my my Apple music. And it's like the weirdest mix of songs, but it's all their favorites. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that, that, that baby will feed off of your enjoyment of whatever you're doing, even if you are homebound, yeah. um, the little things that we do for our own yeah. kind of health and well-being, which is actually kind of where I wanted to go next. What what kind of research do we have about why this is good for mom, not just for baby? The mental state of mom has such an effect on baby because when we're calm and confident and how we respond to our babies they feed off of that and they can feel our energy. So if you've been in a place where your anxiety is so heightened, you've had it, you have not done anything for yourself throughout the day, your baby can feel that Mm -hmm. and will oftentimes let you know that they're unhappy Mm -hmm. with your state of mind. But like I said earlier, when you surrender and you let that go Mm -hmm. and you come from a calm and confident place, your baby feels that Mm -hmm. and they're going to be much more likely to come along with you for the ride Mm -hmm. and be more confident on their own. Mm -hmm. So my, you know, I do something for myself every day Mm -hmm. and that's a goal that I've had for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you have to implement right away, but that's the goal, Mm -hmm. the goal. And 
as a new mom, that might look like taking a shower and brushing your teeth right. every morning. Right. I didn't do that with my first. And with my second, I implemented that and mm-hmm. it made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I did not shower every day with mm-hmm. my first and it was brutal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just don't feel as good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if new moms, if I can give you one piece of advice is get your shower in every day. Mm-hmm. And if it's a five minute shower because your baby is screaming, mm-hmm. you take that five minute shower mm-hmm. and you go get them mm-hmm. or put them in a rocker in mm-hmm. front of your shower and mm-hmm. shower with the door open. Yeah. I used to do yeah. that. Yeah, actually. Yeah, totally. yeah. And the baby was fine. Yeah. I would talk to him and yeah. we were great. But taking care of yourself is one of the best things that you can do for your baby. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that cliche analogy of the airplane yeah. mask. Um, my husband has adopted that, by the way. He likes to use that because <laughs> yeah. he, at a party, he's always the first one to eat. Oh. And, you know, we tease him and now he's in on the joke. But he, you know, so we'll always tease him like, oh, how's your tummy yeah. feeling now? You, you nice and full. You, it's you, self-care. It, I mean, really. That's exactly just, what he says. Just so he can take yes, care of everybody he, else. He that's does. So he says, it's the oxygen mask. Yeah. I need that oxygen. <laughs> you know, and then I get to go have my meal leisurely and he feeds the kids. So it actually works out for us. But. When you are in your best state of mind and you feel like you've had your needs met, mm-hmm. you have a much better ability to take care of your kids. Uh, yeah. And um, it's we always need those reminders of what we need. And I like to say to make a list of all of your responsibilities throughout the day and make a list of the things that you want mm. for the day or the week mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Start by. If you love to work out, but Mm -hmm. you've never been able to get it in your schedule, get it in your schedule once a week Mm -hmm. and put it on that shared calendar in the family Mm -hmm. and make sure that you do it. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the important thing. You have to stick to it. That never changes, don't you think? Like, I mean, I was thinking about my four year old who has probably the most challenging personality of all of our kids. And (laughs) when you were talking about them picking up on your stress and your, that never goes away. Mm -hmm. Your, you know, your child's behavior is always going to be influenced by the energy that you bring, which on the one hand could seem like a lot of pressure, like, okay, moms, you always have to be calm and confident. It's actually, I mean, that's one way to look at it. But the other is that it's really an opportunity to take care of ourselves Mm -hmm. for a good reason, Mm -hmm. because yeah, Yeah. we want to be a good role model. Yeah. We don't want our kids growing up and not taking care of themselves. Right. We want them to take care of themselves. I wanted to just mention something else because I think it's really important, but having a rhythm to your day Mm. and showing your kids that there's a routine Mm -hmm. to our lives makes them feel more secure Mm -hmm. and in turn makes them trust us more. Mm -hmm. So we want our days to look the same, but what's really important about that is a nighttime routine. Mm. So the nighttime routine is what helps our babies sleep better, mm-hmm. helps them get the restorative sleep that they need so that they're in a calm state of mind. And a nighttime routine consists of anything that works for you and your family. It doesn't have to be by the clock mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be um, what everyone else says a nighttime mm-hmm. routine has to be. Mm-hmm. Mine, we didn't bathe our babies every night mm-hmm. in our house. And um, so our nighttime routine didn't have a bath right. in it. They, we do now because right. that that does sh- it. It ends up being helpful. Mm-hmm. But our routine was the baby got fed, mm-hmm. the baby got put into their sleep sack and swaddle, mm-hmm. the white noise was turned on, mm-hmm. the lights were turned off, mm-hmm. and the baby was was put down for mm-hmm. the night. And that was either by rocking mm-hmm. or one of my kids had an easier time going to sleep mm-hmm. on his own than mm-hmm. the other. So whatever that looks like. So just those four things. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even start reading until mm-hmm. later. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and there's a lot of pressure on moms yeah. to like read to your babies, yeah. read to your babies, read to your babies. I promise. Don't force it. If your yeah. kid is not yeah. interested. Don't worry. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Talk to your babies. Yeah. Talk to don't, them instead. Don't sit Sing there to them. Yes. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big singer. Singer. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we have more to talk about when we come back. Okay, guys, have you tried a Kind Bar yet? You've been hearing us talk about them for months now. You might have seen them in your local grocery store, at the coffee shop, or at the gym. Kind makes delicious, healthy snacks using whole ingredients that you can recognize and pronounce. 
And we've got a really fun holiday opportunity with our partnership with Kind Snacks. So they are running something called the Kind Cube to give as a gift. It's filled with a variety of 20 tasty snack bars, makes a perfect present for any snack lover, including yourself. Uh, We talk a lot on this show about how Kind Bars are mommy snacks in our homes. Um, Again, these snacks are made with delicious ingredients like nuts, fruit, and dark chocolate. Uh, The bars are a gift that both your body and your taste buds will love to receive as well as your health conscious friends and family. So Kind believes you shouldn't have to choose between your health and taste when it comes to snacking. We agree. And that's why award-winning chefs and nutritionists love and recommend Kind Bars. So I've been trying some new flavors lately. I'm a big fan of the Healthy Grains series. Um, These are flavors you don't necessarily see in the store, which is another really good reason and fun way to experience those flavors when you um, gift the Kind Cube to someone this holiday season. So the way you get this is go to kindsnacks.com slash TMH. That's TMH for the mom hour. So again, it's kindsnacks.com slash TMH to learn more about the Kind Cube and add that to your gift list for this holiday season. Thanks so much to Kind. Hey, we're back with Alex. We're talking about attachment theory, bonding with our new babies, and also really how this continues to play out as kids grow. So you have a little bit of research for us, I think we're going to start with. Yeah. So for those of you who have studied any psychology, you will probably recognize the um, the psychologist Eric Erickson, mm-hmm. and he was revolutionary in coining the stages of psychosocial development. And what he says is that throughout our lives, we have various tasks as humans that we're supposed to master. And as babies, as newborns, within the first year of life, our first task in life is to learn trust versus mistrust. Mm. So this is the fundamental um sort of building block Mm -hmm. to the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And when our babies learn to trust over mistrusting their environment, it is such a beautiful way of building the foundation for a stable sense itself, Mm -hmm. their self-esteem, like I said earlier, their ability to be more curious Mm -hmm. and explore their Mm -hmm. environment in an independent way. It helps their social skills and one of the biggest things and drivers for a lot of us and me included is that it helps them manage stress Yeah, because we're able to show them that even in stressful situations, we can respond mm-hmm. in a confident and way they are safe. and that they're safe. I want to talk about that curiosity and exploration and social skills. Um, we have a lot of listeners with say, you know, one and two year olds, older babies and young toddlers. And one thing I hear all the time is a concern that kids are, well, they need to learn to go to somebody else. They need to learn to, you know, have a babysitter. They need to, um, and all of us want our kids to be able to run off and play with their friends without needing to cling behind our skirts. But I think sometimes we, we don't understand developmentally what kids are ready for and how normal it is for babies, older babies, toddlers to really just want mom Mm -hmm. um also we want to break we don't want to be the only one that they want and that i totally honor that as a feeling and i've been there um but maybe we can talk a little bit about how attachment actually then feeds independence later because i I do think that gives you some hope that the kid who is super attached to you doesn't seem to want to go to anybody else you know leaving you know for a babysitter is a terrible experience that kid is not necessarily going to be the one who's clinging to you forever. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is that, I'm sure there's research to support that as well. There is. And a lot of times when babies are, are clinging to you, first of all, in the first year of life, they're learning how to be separate. Mm -hmm. That in the first six months of life. Like physically separate, like not inside your body. That's exactly right. (laughs) Not not like across the room. Exactly. So babies don't actually know that they're a separate human being until five, six months of life. They still think they're attached to you. And that, when they don't see you, they think you're gone forever, right. which is why, you know, I'm just going to dive into sleep training yeah. for a second, because which is why when you sleep train kind of on the earlier side, mm-hmm. a lot of times it takes longer. There's more crying involved. Mm-hmm. And then typically you have to do it again later. Mm-hmm. But if you wait until the six month ish mm-hmm. mark, five, six months, mm-hmm. it happens a lot quicker mm-hmm. and you don't really have to do it again. 
because that's when baby knows that they're safe mm-hmm. and they're separate from mm-hmm. you and that they're okay. Interesting. But yeah, it's very interesting. There's there's some there's some good meat in yeah. there. But um in terms of toddlers, a lot of times that separation comes from a place of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And when we stop and connect mm-hmm. instead of correct, there is you'll have a lot more success Mm -hmm. with separating and attaching to other people is really important, but it has to be done from a place of connection and love Mm -hmm. as opposed to a place of you need to be separate from me. And we end up getting, we end up getting anxious ourselves. Totally. Well, then we're recording this like before the holidays and there is always that moment where like, you know, everybody's so excited to see the baby. And this, my memory of this is more with like six to 12 month olds, you know, who really are very clear who's who and who's not mom. Like a lot yes. of newborns can be passed around, but, um, and then you feel bad as the parent because, you know, everybody wants to hold your baby and your yeah. baby doesn't want, doesn't want any of it. I think yeah. it's just helpful to know that that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, don't put your baby through stress because yeah. other people want to hold them. I, <laughs> the trick is keeping them in a carrier. Yeah. Most people won't ask you to or take wearing, your baby out of them. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 I was picturing. Sorry. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, wearing your baby. Yeah. Most people won't ask you to take them out of yeah. your carrier. Yeah, that's so true. Yes. That's so true. Um, okay, so let's go a little bit more into older kids. We, You and I both have older kids. Um, I think you and I probably philosophically are aligned on a lot of this. So what is what does continuing this attachment look like as kids get a little bit older? Very different, obviously, from mm-hmm. a newborn. Um, and I like that you mentioned earlier that attachment that can be, you know, damaged and repaired and will be not just can be, but will be damaged and repaired yeah. over time as our kids grow. So what is, what does that look like? Or what would moms of older kids be thinking about when thinking about attachment? Yeah, I actually have personal experience. My older one had an unfortunate situation with a nanny that we had, and then also had an unfortunate preschool year mm-hmm. that caused him to lose trust mm-hmm. in, in me and the world. Mm-hmm. and. I don't think he felt safe. Mm -hmm. And he told me that actually one day he didn't feel safe going to school. Mm -hmm. And the way that we have been repairing that Mm -hmm. is by working on our attachment. Mm -hmm. And when you find a a good, you know, outside source like a therapist Mm -hmm. or um, maybe if you're religious, someone in your religious Mm -hmm. organization that can help you work on that, having that attachment repaired and what that looks like is spending one-on-one time Mm -hmm. being completely present, Mm -hmm. not just showering them with praise because it's not genuine, but genuinely just being in the moment Mm -hmm. and making them feel connected to you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that comes from them leading play Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. kids connect through play. Kids learn through play. So when I can sit down for 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and play with my son in the way that he chooses, Mm He feels like I'm there for him. And the other time that we connect is nighttime. Mm -hmm. So he used to be able to be put down in his bed Mm -hmm. and go to sleep on his own. Mm -hmm. And he has been asking for me to lie with Mm -hmm. him when he goes to sleep at Mm -hmm. night. And so my night doesn't end until later. Mm -hmm. But I know that he's not going to need that forever. And I know that that's how he feels loved. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's been repeated. And often they will talk when the lights are off and the you know, and it's like the end of the day and you're about to leave the room and then they'll start bringing stuff up. And that is really potentially really important time. Um, And we're so tired at that time that we kind of just want them to like shut up already. Yes. Yes. But if I can give you one piece of advice to go into the night with an open mind Mm -hmm. and if you're able to just be present for that Mm -hmm. and let them talk to you Mm -hmm. as much as they want to talk Mm -hmm. to you, it will it will come back to you mm-hmm. tenfold. Mm-hmm. It will pay off in so many more ways. And your your babies are not going to be at home to go to sleep with yeah. you forever. Yeah. And you're going to miss the days, I promise. Yeah. So those night times are that those bedtimes are just so important. And I think I know from having three kids with very different personalities, with very different nighttime needs. I can tell the difference between a kid who's manipulating bedtime and a kid who wants to connect. So I don't think either of us is telling moms like you've got to respond to every potty water. Like we know the game, we know the game, but there's, you can tell the difference. And I agree. I, 
We're on to them. We are. (laughs) But when it is a genuine, and I'm thinking about my oldest, because I go from, we're in my house right now, I go from the four-year-old's room to the seven-year-old's room to the nine-year-old's room. And by the time I'm there, I'm so done. And she still likes me to read to her, read aloud. I mean, she's been reading independently for a long time, but that's, that's connection because she wouldn't ask me. She's not asking me to read to her because she has trouble reading. She's asking me because that's. So that is, that's like my personal rules. I try never to say no to someone asking me to read to them because that is a big connector for, I'm not great at make-believe play. I'm not crafty. There's certain things that, yeah. But reading, singing, talking, like those are in my wheelhouse. So I don't say no to those requests. I I really don't. And so, but yeah, I think that, um, that nighttime connection, I'm really glad that you brought that up. I also think with older kids, um, just in my experience, the time that we spend with them gets to be a lot less. Like with the newborns, we log hours and hours and hours. And then even if you are working full time, you still you still are physically present with your baby a lot more in the early years than mm-hmm. later on. Um, so I do think there's kind of a shift that has to happen in the quality. I know you mentioned quality versus quantity mm-hmm. in some of your um, teachings, but I think that that requires a shift as kids get older. Um, because we can't take for granted that we're going to see them for eight hours a day or 12 mm-hmm. hours a day. So we do have to look for the opportunities to connect. Well, I, I think that most of moms, I would say a good majority of moms are away from their kids mm-hmm. for a good chunk of the day. Yeah. And once they start going to school, we're yeah. away from them. Yeah. And the you can spend one good hour of quality time right. being completely present with your kid and your attachment can stay strong and your kids will get what they need. Right. And that, um, the, 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 what jogged my memory Mm -hmm. or what kind of came into my mind when you were talking about that being done at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, Mm -hmm. you have to get your needs met earlier Mm -hmm. in the day, Mm -hmm. knowing that your nighttime is going to be full of kids. Yeah. And that's where we start feeling resentful is when we haven't done anything for ourselves. And then we have to give all of ourselves for the rest of the night. Yeah. So if you know that you Mm -hmm. have to give all of yourself for the rest of the Mm -hmm. night, that's when you work out your schedule to do something for yourself during the day. I I love that. That is something I am definitely having to learn for myself as I have more kids in school. I'm working more than I have in the past. And it's easy to fill up all that school time with work. And then like. I've worked hard to get to this point where I am kid free for a few hours a day. Um, I think that could apply actually to moms of newborns as well. If you are going into nighttime parenting and you are the primary nighttime parent, you have the breasts if you're breastfeeding or you are the one getting up. Um, I think there's an element of that same kind of self-care maybe in the evening or early evening where you can tag your partner in. Or I know I used to go to bed absurdly early in those days. Like I'd go to bed at 7.30 if I had to, and my husband would stay up with the baby for as long as they could make it without me. So I think it's kind of the same thing. If you know, that's really smart. If you know that you're sort of like, I've got to be on for mm-hmm. these, whether it's older whether it's older kids at bedtime or a newborn in the middle of the night, proactively building something in that sort of refreshes or right. renews is really And we really did good. it the opposite way. I was on duty till 4 a.m. and my husband was on duty from 4 to 8 a.m. Yeah. So I knew that every night I'd yeah. get at least a four-hour yeah. chunk of sleep. Yeah, that's important. But it took a while for us to, we had to have, you know, a meltdown before yes. we got there. Yeah, no, I think it, it took us, I don't, I think it was the second baby really yeah. where we shifts. You figured, gotta do shifts. figured that out. Yes. Um, and actually my husband has really, talking about bonding and dads, my husband has really sweet memories of those like the movies he'd watch and the books he'd read and he it was just him and when a newborn yeah when he was on mm-hmm. duty from like eight to midnight or yes. however long he could take it um and so that is that's important bonding too that's mm-hmm. a whole other episode I'm sure talking yes. about dads yeah um so I wanted to ask um obviously you see a lot of brand new moms what are some things this question was not on our outline by the way but I just thought of it um what are some things that can potentially get in the way of a healthy attachment some things to and I don't want to scare people Mm -hmm. but I know you've got to see it Mm -hmm. you know some things so what are what would those things be that could throw a wrench in this because it is natural and it does happen naturally but it's but it can get yeah complicated so I think that Probably the main thing that gets in the way is a mom who might be having a hard time. Mm -hmm. So getting help for any type of excessive anxiety or if you feel like so a new mom has a plethora of emotions Mm -hmm. and 
it's overwhelming and we should be feeling overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. If you're not feeling overwhelmed, I might worry about you a little bit, but if you're feeling overwhelmed most of the time Mm -hmm. and you really are not finding joy in any of Mm -hmm. it, like zero Mm -hmm. of it, that's when you want to reach out to your OB, Mm -hmm. another mom, someone like me in your area Mm -hmm. who's providing postpartum resources. But that's going to get in the way of attaching Mm -hmm. and having a secure attachment to your baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also thinking probably physical, any, any, Physical complications post-birth would yeah. make it tough too. Just, sure. just simply the healing that has to happen already from what normally happens. But yeah. then if you have additional breastfeeding um, complications yeah. is a big one yeah. because then that puts us into a whole mindset of I, I can't feed my baby. A right. um, lot of stigma that's mm-hmm. happening right mm-hmm. now and shaming mm-hmm. and, you know, formula's poison. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I'm so thankful for formula yeah. because... It gets to keep our babies alive sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So I want to talk about the new mom school. And let's assume that maybe new listeners are people who didn't catch our live show. So at our live show a few months back, um, you got up and we aired this on the show and kind of told the story of how, because you didn't set out to say, I want to have a school for new moms. No. Um, So will you just retell that story? Because I think it's I think it's worth repeating. And a lot of people haven't heard it. How how you came to do what you do. Could have just patched it in. I know. No, no, I want to hear it again. <laughs> hear it again. Um, so when my first son was born, I had always felt like I was put on this planet to be a mom. And when he came into the world, I was proved wrong. <laughs> That's not what I was supposed to be. And I had a very hard time transitioning. He was what you call an angel baby, where he didn't really cry after the first few weeks of breastfeeding and getting our latch on correctly. He was a great breastfeeder and I was blessed with a lot of milk. And my husband and I had had a really adoring relationship up until that point. And I was so shocked at what happens when a newborn rocks your world. And I felt so guilty that I wasn't enjoying every minute. And it was so shocking to me what actually happens behind closed doors between mm-hmm. a husband and wife and the the lack of sleep mm-hmm. and the feelings of resentment towards other people in the world mm-hmm. who are getting ready for bed when <laughs> dusk hits. I mean, yeah. that was probably the most anxiety provoking yeah. time for me. Yeah. And that's pretty common. And what happened was at about eight weeks, I said, what, what am I, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so isolated and alone and I felt so much shame. I mean, I think that that was what was so shocking was the shame that mm-hmm. I felt that I wasn't enjoying it. And I, and I had a good baby. Mm-hmm. So there right. was like this yes. extra level of shame yes. because I, I had learned that moms didn't have good right. babies. So like to you're speak. so lucky you should be, yeah, yeah you right. should be happy. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Uh, My husband and I were more disconnected than I thought we could ever be. Mm -hmm. So locally, I found a group and the women in the group really saved my life. Mm -hmm. And I was so hungry for information because I'm an information seeker. Mm -hmm. And I wish that there had been more education Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. class, but there wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so I searched high and low for Mm research-based information. Mm I didn't like reading the books. They Mm -hmm. didn't make me feel confident. Mm -hmm. They actually made me feel like I was failing Mm -hmm. or that there was something wrong with my baby. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll admit it. I don't read a lot Mm -hmm. because I, it doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want that for Mm -hmm. other moms. Mm -hmm. So I joined this group and the women were very life-saving just having that support Mm -hmm. in person. Fast forward a year and a half later. Um, we moved to Orange County Mm -hmm. from the LA area and I looked for something supportive for me Mm -hmm. because then I went through another transition Mm -hmm. of being alone and not knowing anyone. And now I, Oh, by the way, I was working full time when I had my first, I was working in real estate development and I, um, moved and didn't have a job Mm -hmm. and knew I was going to have to work eventually but I had been at my past company for 12 years mm-hmm. and I couldn't imagine working for anyone else. And I looked for a support group for me because mm-hmm. I was struggling yeah. again Yeah, and I didn't find anything and I didn't find anything 
at the time for moms of newborns. Mm -hmm. So I had taken all the information that I had learned and just called out on a local social media group to get together once a week. And at the time it was called OC Mommy and Me. Mm -hmm. I named it. And about a year and a half ago, we changed it to the new mom school. Mm -hmm. And that was five years ago. And we've had close to 2,000 moms in classes since then. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is such a gift to new moms. Again, I I mean, our listeners know I moved here when my youngest was a toddler. So I I was not a new mom here. But I can't imagine a better resource for Orange County new moms. And hopefully there are similar places around the country. Um, I think think the things to look for, I think it's fine to start at the free one at your hospital if Mm -hmm. it gets the job done. I met friends there. It did not have the educational component that your school does. So but that support is life-saving. The support is life-saving. And our facilitator was an angel, truly. We That's just didn't beautiful. have. So you have, what you do is really have a curriculum, 10 weeks, right? For like yes. the, the main For ones, the newborns. For the newborns mm-hmm. is 10 weeks. And it's education-based. But of course, also the moms are meeting new friends. They're mm-hmm. getting together. They're getting out of the house. Mm-hmm. They're chit-chatting about which, you know, pacifiers they like best. Like all those things yes. that we think should be so easy yes. to find and it's not yes. so but then on top of that the having the really high quality education and research in a totally judgment-free like I feel like I could tell that about you right when I first met you and yeah. that's hard I mean there's a lot there's a lot to talk about with new moms and a lot of it is fraught with potential judgment, judgment. Mm-hmm. so I think what you've accomplished is great and I think having something like that hopefully for our listeners everywhere that there is mm-hmm. you know something similar and if not creating it yourself just by having a weekly get together yeah and my goal is to be able to put this in some kind of a digital format mm-hmm. whether it's you know an audio or a visual or videos or whatever it might be so if you follow us, yeah. keep following yeah. us because this this is helpful for me yeah. to be able to catapult this into another form of yeah. information no, that there, moms can get across. There's the, a need the for world. sure. And I yeah. know we'll hear from people. So that's a great segue. Let's tell people really briefly where to find you online, just your website and your social. Yeah. So our website is newmomschool.com. And it's just singular mom. So okay. there's yeah. not One a S. double S. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then um, on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yeah. New mom school. Yeah. No, it is. It's just been really fun for me and Megan, too, even though she's far away. But you got yeah. to meet her at the live show. It's been I loved really having fun. you guys at the studio. That was that was fun for yeah. me. That was treat. really cool. As a treat. Um, well, this has been great information. Our listeners know that if you go to themomhour.com, we will have a show notes page for this episode. And if there's any articles you think of or any resources that you love, we didn't really get into any of that type of stuff, but um, we can link those up there as well as link to your website and all of that. So thanks, Alex. Awesome. For being on the Thank show. you so much for having me. My first podcast. I know. It's so fun. Love it. Love it.